In episode 9.3 of Unshuffle, we discuss the third album from The Runaways. It's called Waitin' for the Night. But first, here's Seven Planets. Welcome listeners, welcome all around the world to Unshuffled. I'm your host Matt and joining me as he always does, Mr. Scotty D. Welcome Scott. Welcome Matt. Hey Matt. Hi everybody. And uh, as we always do, certainly in the last year or so, we're going to get straight into talking about the album. We're Unshuffled, we're bringing back the album, doing it band by band, album by album. We're currently on The Runaways. And we're up to the third album. Now, we're going to do things slightly differently today. So just um, just to fill you in, listen, we're not going to go through, uh, as it says on the tin, exactly through every single track. We'll, we have listened to every track in detail. We recommend you do the same before you uh, um, go much further with us here. But uh, we're going to pick out a few tracks according to a few different categories. And just hone in on a few that uh, caught our ears. So a, a little bit of a twist, but we're experimenting with a new format. I, th- I think it'll work, but uh, well, we'll find out, and you'll find out in uh, in the next <laughs> thirty or forty minutes. But uh, anyway, let's see how we go. Um, Scotty D, you're the man who always does such a great job filling us in on the details of the album. So let's kick off with that. That bit hasn't changed, and then uh, we'll take it from there. All right. Well, here we go. So we are on album number three. This one is Waiting for the Night. <clears throat> it was released on October 7th, 1977. This was what? Just like 10 months since the last one. Queens of Noise was January of 77. And a lot's happened with the band in those 10 months. Uh, produced by Kim Fowley again. Uh, but this time it's just Kim Fowley. Remember the last time they brought in Earl Mankey? He's now been kicked to the curb. Uh, label, we are still at Mercury. And this one was recorded in Hollywood at Larrabee Studios. So here comes the changes. <clears throat> Lineup, we have Joan Jett on vocals and guitars. We have Lita Ford on guitars. We have Sandy West on drums. All right. We knew that. But... Yeah. We are now missing a very important element. We're missing Sherry Curie. She has um, either left the band of her own accord or been forced out. And we have Jackie Fox. Now we are on our third or fifth bass player. Uh, It's Vicky Blue playing bass, doing vocals. But once again, she did as a la the first album, she was not allowed to play on this album, so Sal Maida played on the album. Uh, he had played with Roxy Music and Sparks. Oh. He had a... Which? I had, I had no idea, man. This uh, I don't know if this is going to change my Brownlow votes. I'm going to just scribble here. I, I don't, this is news to me. Well, so, so because Sal Maida is not, he, didn't, he wasn't given album credits. Vicky Blue right. is she's she's credited on the album, but she didn't actually play bass. Well, how do you know all this? You're in on you got the inside word. 
I have the internet. Uh. Is what I have. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> it's fun little thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So and I guess the reason I said fifth bass player is because the first album they had a bass player who they didn't allow to play on it. And again, yeah. that went unlisted. Well, there was that uh, one that before they even started that went off and joined oh, the yeah. Bangles. Right there, it is. Six bass players. Six <laughs> bass players. Three albums. I would say oh. it's like the Spinal Tap, but even Spinal Tap didn't have that many drummers. Yeah. Um, does, does it suggest that bass players are easily replaceable? Is no, that, is that... yeah, it seems to, yeah. <laughs> I think, I'm and stirring. I, don't, uh, I think that this is, I think this is now going to be the lineup that takes us through the last two albums. I don't think they're going to get me any more shakeups. I think this is. Well, there's the only one album after this, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got one left. But I mean, you say that, but there hasn't been consistency from album to album. So, right. uh, yeah. And then, um, as far as like getting to the art, I didn't. Do you? I don't have credits on who took the picture. I think. It, no, I don't either. I'll have. To, I, uh, confession time. Didn't buy the CD. Oh, oh. Pretty rare, but uh, yeah. I just hmm, couldn't, couldn't do it. Couldn't, couldn't stretch for it. So yeah, I've been no. listening on uh, Amazon Music. Okay, I got it. Well, you've mm, seen the cover then. Don't judge me, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you've seen the cover. I've seen the cover, yeah. It's, all right, sort all right, of all right. Four in there that, with some some barbed it, wire here, right? Yeah, it looks like a it looks like a promotion from like one of those local low budget wrestling shows. Similar to look to the last album with the dressed in black. Yeah, they didn't. They just barbed wire instead of stripper poles. Mm. <laughs> so look, as the artwork, as artwork goes, I don't know. Uh, it's not very. Uh, creative, I suppose. I don't know. It didn't do much for me, the artwork. But um, anyway, the girls the girls look good. They're, I guess they're growing up fast. So they're, um, yeah, what are they, 18 here? They, they seem to mention 18 in uh, in some of the lyrics. So I'm guessing they're, they're now at the sort of 18-year-old. Is that right? I, I, I don't well, know. it's a year and a half since their first album. Their first album was March of 76, and this one brings us into October of 77. Yeah. So, so they're, they're getting through their uh, final, final year of school, and, and they've pumped out <laughs> now three albums. Yeah. Yeah. Good on them. Uh, I, I must mention that to next time one of my grade 12 students complains about having too much homework. Um, actually, I don't know that the Runaways are great examples to, to give. In case, you know, if, you, if we <laughs> dig into some of the lyrics on school days. I was just going to say. There's a decidedly uh, anti-intellectual bent to some of the lyrics, and uh, yeah, maybe I should keep quiet on that. <laughs> okay, I don't have much more to say about the artwork. We'll, look, we'll dig up whoever took the photo and, and uh, stick it on the on the show notes which you can find on our website, as always, unshufflepod.com. Usually three or four days after the episode goes live, you'll find some show notes there. And uh, if you're really interested in whoever pressed the button on the on the camera, then uh, that will hopefully be there if I can find it. What did you use? The internet, you said. Okay, well, yeah, I'll, the I'll give, that, I I'll the give that thing a go. That sounds good. It's, uh... Mm. Now, normally we jump into a track by track at this point. We 
going to do a slightly modified version of that. We're only going to pick out four categories of song to discuss, and they might vary. So we might get more than four songs, depending on which you pick and which ones I pick. But we've decided we're going to pick a common song to discuss straight up, straight off the bat. The first thing we're going to discuss is the opening track, and we'll we'll sort of introduce these songs as we go, uh, the the categories of the songs as we go. But the the first one, just so we're we're starting on a on a common track, we're going to discuss the opener, and we'll do that every album. So just to kick us off, how did this uh, album open? Uh, well, the first song was Little Sister. What did you think of it? So I kind of compared this, and I won't be able to do this all the time, especially when we're doing the first album, but I kind of compared this opener as compared to their others. Um, just in the fact that I, it's not it's not their best album opener. Uh, there was nothing, I didn't find anything extremely distinctive about it being an opener. Uh, so it just, it didn't, it doesn't even hold a candle to Cherry Bomber. Queens of Noise. It felt, you know what it felt like? It felt like it was a Sherry Curie song um, that just, all right, well, she's not here. So, Joan Jett, you you sing it. There are a handful of songs on this album that I feel were kind of more in her vocal range Mm. and not quite Joan Jett's vocal range. Um, So, it just, I don't know. It felt for me like as an opener, there were a lot of things kind of adding up to. Uh, not to, to sort of take away from this track. Right. Yeah, I'm, I see what you're saying. I mean, at the same time, I mean, it does instantly jump out as a runaways track. All those trademarks are there. The simple rock riff, the Joan Jett vocals, there's a Lita Ford solo in there. The, the one new thing that stood out for me as opposed to the previous albums, was the sound of the bass, this really satisfying bass rumble that, I mean, the bass has been there all along, I suppose, but I, I really like the bass on this album, and I'm, that's why I was sort of disappointed to hear it was some ringing. Hmm. The other thing that stood out was the production. I really liked the production on the previous album, and I, I just felt this was much simpler, much more stripped back, in the vein of the first album, and I guess that's to be expected because they've gone back to the, the same producer. Look, it's a nice, simple rock song, but, yeah, I see what you're saying. It's slightly underwhelming, I guess, compared to those those two classic openers we had on the previous two albums. I mean, Cherry Bomb's iconic, so I don't know how you're going to touch that one. I, mm. I would almost say most most bands out there in existence barely touch that one with their, let alone the Runaways having to repeat it. Um, anyway, I just thought, yeah, I, th- I can see what you're saying. Like maybe it's sort of setting this up as, well, oh, maybe this isn't <laughs> going to quite reach the, the previous heights. But let's move on to our next song category. And you'll just have to imagine a stinger here, listener. We'll, we might work on this. Um, but we'll, we'll get into the positive stuff. Tell me what your favorite song, what, what was the best song on the album, in your opinion, Scott? For mine, I think it was Wait For Me. Mm. Um, in the sense that uh, I think, well, see, here's the problem. Every time we do this, every time we talk about best, my favorite track, I end up uh, vacillating. 
but yeah, yeah, yeah. But this time I'm not going to. I'm going to stick with this one. I just I like the I like the the again, sort of. You had mentioned the bass. The bass comes out in this. The I like the breakdown at the end of the song. I like the way that the song's sort of constructed. I like the the way that the drums work in the song. I think the drums really come through on this one. It's catchy. It's got the doubled guitar solo. The it's the least of the lyrics. It's one of the least cringe worthy lyrics. It's kind of just sort of a it's a straight forward go ahead Joan Jet rocker. And uh mm. and so I kind of I appreciate the song for what it is. And 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 it's in her Joan Jet's range cuz there are a couple Joan Jet songs on here that again it feels like she's singing like she's stretching her voice and this one just kind of feels this one the whole band's it's in their wheelhouse it's in their pocket mm. this is kind of just a good old fashioned runaway song yeah the thing that stood out for me on wait for me was the gentler chorus like it it's quite a it builds mm. up through the verses and then it sort of steps back in the chorus in a nice way, like um, that sort of mellow, mellow chorus, and a, and a sort of mellow solo as well. So some of the it sort plays- of hard hard rock motifs that are in the other stuff aren't here in the same to the same degree, and and, and in a way that sort of helps it stand out. Yeah, it plays a lot with tension. That song does just kind of like a sonic tension, where it just sort of builds up, releases, builds up, releases. Yeah. Uh, my best was a little more obvious, I suppose. School Days, which seems to be one of the bigger and more popular songs on the album. I think that was the one that kind of charted in Europe. To me, School Days, the thing I loved about it was just that ACDC. And I, AC, I loved their ACDC style stuff. Remember we spoke about, are they... Re- going down the Ramones path or are they going down the ACDC path? And then you've got Lita Ford who sort of seems to have some other ideas altogether. But this is that classic ACDC style riff. So, uh, you know, I I think this is probably the best, my favourite riff on the album. I can't fully get behind the anti-school, anti-intellectual sentiment in the lyrics. You know, this idea of being proud of not reading books, I mean... My advice would be if you want to write good lyrics, you've you got to read some books, and, and perhaps this album might be a testament to that. <laughs> but just in terms of riff alone, I, um, School Days was, was my favorite. With, with School Days, I like the boogie style bass. Uh, the ba- mm. I mean, the bass is, and we've talked about that, this, this, this new fella that they've brought in for the recording of this album, but it is markedly different. And and the bass just kind of it's sort of that like that old school boogie style that's playing. Um, yeah, I did find myself thinking when I was listening to this, like, ah, are you still singing about school? And then it kind of was like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess you're still in it. <laughs> I mean, it's only been <laughs> eighteen months since the first album. Yeah, um, yeah, and you are right. This is the only song on the album to chart. Uh, its highest positioning globally was it got to number 29 on the Ultra Pop 50 Belgian singles in 1970. Uh, the next category we're going to do uh, is The Grower. So here we're looking for the song that didn't immediately grab us, but one that after repeated listens we started to go, hmm, that, I don't mind that one. Did you have something like that on the album, Scott? For me, 
the one that I had for that was uh, my notes are disorganized. I apologize for this. It was um, oh, where to go? It, it was waiting for the night. And here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. Um, this song I feel like was ahead of its time. Like I even I found myself when I was listening to the song started researching on that that internet thing I was referring to earlier. Um, I was looking at what was the first power ballad, right? Because this has to be in the running for like the early first power ballads. Uh, so this is 1978, 77, 77, sorry. And um, it research suggests, extensive research here. Yeah. There was lab work done. We, we got to the bottom of this. That the first yeah. power ballad is by a band called Styx. We all know Styx. A song called Lady by Styx in 1973. All right. Now, I bring that up because this sort of, it follows that, that formula, right? It, it fits the... The, the formula of the the structure, the that sort of vulnerable acoustic intro that picks up into a tensity, goes into like that soaring, squealy guitar solo. The tension hangs on into the chorus and then settles back into a slightly louder version of the intro. Anyway, I put this as a grower because I feel like it's ahead of its time. It, it, this is an 80s power metal ballad uh, and five years too early. And it grew on you? Did you look? Did you sort of it did. come to like so the song? Is it, it's more it, than just I, the historical came, significance. Yeah, yeah, no, no. But I came to like it. That's the thing. I came to like it based on the historical significance. I came as I was like listening to it at first. I was like, eh, right. And then all of a sudden, there was that realization of, oh wait, no, 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 no. They did it first. This isn't yeah. cliche. It's not cliche yet. Maybe to like listen to it. <laughs> It feels cliche because I've heard it done yeah. so many times, but they did it first. And I found a whole new respect for the song that okay. I, I found myself going back. And the two tracks that I think when I go back and listen to this, I go for Wait For Me and Waiting For The Night. Uh, it's all about waiting. It's all about waiting. Um, yeah. <laughs> Interesting choice. I'm <laughs> That was one of those ones where Joan's voice was really stretched, I thought, which made it a tough listen for me. If if I had to if I was gonna call this my grower, it would be Lita's Lita Ford's attempt to sort of save the song near the end it just was so admirable, I thought. It's like <laughs> this isn't going well, guys. Let me just play a solo. <laughs> and uh I thought she she really almost rescued it, but um no, I never came around to this one. Maybe Maybe I just didn't listen to it enough for, to get to that to get to that stage. I thought as a title track it was was a strange choice personally, but um, my grower was the song before this track eight. Don't go away. Uh, why? I don't know. It had that sort of rollicking. You mentioned that bass. Like, I really like the bass throughout this. And um, that it, it's got a sort of rollicking. It kind of reminded me of early Motley Crue, you know, back, mm. I don't know. You know how they sort of had a little, I don't know. It sort of goes back to the 70s or something. You, What did you call it, the bass? The boogie. 
The Boogie, I, yeah. Didn't so Motley, a, Motley Crue even had a song called Bad Boy Boogie, didn't they? Yeah, Somebody they had some did. boogie in their bass. Before they, before Dr. Feelgood, before Bob Rock squeezed it out, and, but I'm sure they were they were a bit boogier, and, and I could get a bit of that in the bass here. And, um, I don't know. I mean, Joan, um, she really gave it her all on the vocals on, on Don't Go Away, and I... I felt like she she almost nailed it. Like they asked a lot of her, and I think maybe it's you. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's that vocalist change. Um, you've got to write songs that your vocalist can can handle. And Joan's a great singer. When you know when obviously when something's in her in her range, but they they really stretched her at times on this album. But this one I thought worked for her. And had this sort of memorable stop-start chorus, and and uh, yeah, I just love that sort of underlying boogie in the bass on that one. Mm. Good. All right. Uh, the last category we've got is the filler, the track nine award, if you will. Now you've already covered track nine, so uh, you can't take that one. But um, normally, towards the end of an album, bands might be trying to tuck something away that. Uh, they're hoping doesn't get too much attention, just to fill out fill out the album. Um, so here we're thinking, you know, something that's stock, something that seems like uh, who said stock? That was Lars Ulrich's dad in uh, some kind of monster. That's that's stock. I don't remember that. <laughs> that bearded shaman. I I forgot Lars Ulrich's dad was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's great okay. he, 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 uh, he had their number too um, but yeah so we're looking here for something that seems to have been just sort of you know peeled off without too much effort and uh, perhaps stashed away at a certain part of the album with a hope it wasn't, to get, wasn't going to get too much attention so what did you think qualified as filler or the closest thing to it on this album so for me, this is what was disappointing, is for me, um, I have the final track as the filler. I have the final track really, it, it's, it's not great. It's not, not, a, not a great song to end the album on. I feel like it just, it loses, I don't know. I felt like it loses momentum. I mean, there is, okay, I do like the, there, I do like the cool ascending three-way harmonies in the chorus. They do. That's kind of cool. I just, I don't know this. Yeah. I, I put, I put you're too possessive. The track the the closing track kind of just felt fillerish to me. Yeah. And look, my nomination is track 10. You're too possessive. So yeah, we're seeing eye to eye there. It's uh oof. I thought the verses were the chorus to me was a real chore. I, I kind this, of feel like that they could have built something around the verses in this, but it just nah, man. I, I think they're running out of ideas at this point. They're, they're struggling. I think uh, even no, just the way it fades out, you know. Like, ugh, I, let's just turn the volume down. <laughs> I said the same thing. I actually, it was just like, don't no, don't fade out on a final track and on a. <laughs> yeah. But like, I, I mean, but but let's also like look at this, right? I mean, their final track on the first album. I think the thing that's the most disappointing about this one being the closer is that it's so. I mean, if you think about it, the first, the closer on the first album 
was that sort of that action scene of you know diehard John Wick proportion, right? I mean, we had a jailbreak. It was massive. And then the second album, we have Johnny Guitar, which was a bit of a mess, but it was a purposeful mess, right? It was showcasing Lita Ford's guitar work and and she was doing like amazing things and cool guitar solos. And so there was nothing sort of eh, about either of the closer tracks on the first two albums. Whereas mm. this one, it just felt kind of nah, right. It's, that's the last song, I guess. Mm. And I agree with you. The fade out, I don't know. Like let's let's go out strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like on the whole, I gotta say, you know, it, there's a lot of weak points on this album. So I don't know. Of all the albums, we're such positive guys. So anyway, I, there's a few high points. Hopefully, we've picked those out for you. But um, yeah. Anyway, what's your standout moment on? The, so look, now we've covered our four track categories. We'll just get into a few sort of specific moments and notable things about the album. So a few more categories here to discuss. What was your standout moment on the album? So for me, it was, and this is where I don't, I will have to figure out what the rules of this are. There's no like, rules. Yeah, man, I'm not a rules guy. Is it like the moment or could, because for me, it, again, it was a kind of just going back to waiting for the night and just sort of what, realizing historically the significance of that song and the fact that it was uh it was just so vastly different than what was coming out at the time and it was kind of setting the scene for what was going to come in five years later but the other moment i had if we want like just a specific moment would be the guitar solo and wasted only because it had that like super clean les paul sound that slash was going to bring back again in like 1987 for appetite for destruction uh, yep, good choice. Uh, for me, the standout moment was the hand claps. <laughs> gotta get out. Um, the chorus of Gotta Get Out, which was almost my favorite song. Um, but yeah, I just love the, the thing. I'm a sucker for a hand clap, especially in a sort of party tune like that. So that was it for me. Give me some hand claps. You're going to get in the, you're going to feature in the standout moment on Unshuffled. You know, boogie is like the theme we keep. That whole song is built around like that boogie vibe, mm. right? And yeah, there's talk, a, there's talking yeah. in that song too. That's. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, that was a good, good fun song and uh, highlighted by the hand claps. Uh, our next category here, our next award, if you will, is the What Were They Thinking Award. So this is the, the point where you just go, hmm, I'm not so sure about that. Did you have any moments like that during this album, Scott? I So my next two are going to kind of run together and they're going to run together for the same reason. It's the, if we're, if, if I may, it's the notable lyrics and then the, uh, what were they thinking? Yeah. And it's, the, it's, it's, it's trash can murders. <laughs> All right, yeah, they're in, that's my notable lyrics as well. It's does it is it a metaphor? Does it mean anything deeper, or is it just literally about a night prowler 
who attacks people in alleyways. I think Lita Ford, so that's a Lita Ford song. And I think her influences were so notably different from the other band members. I think she had a far more metallic bent in her musical tastes. So you go from, and it, and it stood, it was jarring, you know, you go from these sort of um, songs about boys and school to a song about a serial killer stuffing people in, in rubbish bins, as we call them in Australia. What do you call them? Trash cans. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so look, this is the next category, notable lyrics, but yeah, to me it was screaming like a Chinese cat was from that song was... Uh, <laughs> A, a yeah. particularly bad lyric in, in a song <laughs> full of bad lyrics. Right. And it just got right. me thinking, how would you know? <laughs> how would you know that cat is Chinese? <laughs> I, I suspect there's some, I suspect it's a sort of racist thing. Uh, yeah. But it's just, de- it's definitely a moment. Could you tell a Chinese cat from another cat? Is Do they have a tonal meow? <sighs> Meow. I don't know. Well, and it's even like the you've got the the end of the first verse and the second verse are you're a night prowler, you're a night prowler, yeah. You're a night prowler, you're a night prowler, yeah. And then the end, <laughs> I'm a night prowler, I'm a night howler, yeah. Nah, and so that's even a that literary that, device, that, you're, a, you're an English teacher. <laughs> That grand reveal, which is supposed, ooh, shocking. Uh, but it, but it, it, it's not. I don't know. I don't. I. That's where I guess she changes it from sort of that, you know, addressing the second person to identifying the first person. And it's mm. is there something? Am I missing something? Or probably not. I'm probably not. I think I'm we're overthinking not. it. I think so too. I've read yeah. plenty of bad poetry by 17 and 18 year olds to know where <laughs> that's your stands. job <laughs> <laughs> that's why they pay you <laughs> such such large sums uh-huh. <laughs> it's all right chat gpt just writes it all now <laughs> I, yeah <laughs> um all right so that that's my notable lyric too, and it sounds like it's your what were they both your what were they thinking and your notable lyric. I had a slightly different what were they thinking. My what were they thinking moment was the fart noise at the beginning of Gotta Get Out, which I thought was a great song, but I'm not going to play that for anyone if, if someone asked me to put a song on because it's got a fart noise at the start of it and people will look at me strangely, maybe somewhat accusingly. <laughs> Come on, just play it now. You'll hear it. Okay, I'm going to. Hold on. Let me find it. Uh, how did I miss it? Is that only on the Amazon version? <laughs> maybe it's only on, maybe because I had uh, chili beans that night. <laughs> I don't remember that. Hold on. Wait, why am I not? Shoot. Oh, this is riveting. As I look for. Oh, come on. No editing. That's my new motto. Yeah. It is what it is. Okay, got to get out tonight. Ready? So hold Go, on. Go, play it. The very, the, okay. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. How did I miss that? You're right. 
Wait, hold up. You were talking about putting the stinger in between our our track by track. It should be that. <laughs> How did I? I didn't. I never. No, I never even noticed that. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Hopefully, uh, our listeners have. Uh, look, if you take nothing else out of this episode, take that fart noise. <laughs> <laughs> At the start of what is otherwise a good song, for no reason, I don't know if it's, I'm sure it's just a, someone making the noise on with their hand or something. I'm, I can't imagine that's a, that's a genuine, uh, the genuine article. Otherwise, yeah. it would have made the rest of the song very difficult to play. Uh, anyway, credit to the girls for, uh, for holding it together after that. Why is it at the start of that song? I have no idea, but uh, it's there. It's there for all to hear, and it's for all eternity. Huh. Uh, now I'll never unhear it. Mm. All right. We're done with our, our song categories and our sort of uh, standout moments and, and notable observations. From the album, the only only question is, where does this album rank for you in terms of the three now that we've heard? Where's this one on the list? I, I mean, it's it's number three out of three. Uh, yeah. I feel like uh, the songs just aren't as good, and the, the even the recording, the sound isn't as good, right? I think they should have brought. Uh, I think they, I think should have brought Mankey back. Yeah, think, Mankey. Think- Mankey was a big loss. Yeah, it's a clear number three for me as well. It's got me very worried about the next album, I've got to say. Yeah, no, agreed. I've got a 30-hour flight to Australia in two days, and uh, I was really hoping a good album to to focus on during that flight. And and if this is – if the next one is on a par or even the number four out of the four, I'm going to be um, switching to – I don't know, some history podcasts or something pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, because the next album then is going to be the last and now, one. So that... Yeah, then, mm, that, that worries me. Yeah, agreed. We're not... I mean, we're decidedly not going to talk about the Young and Fast album from 1987, right? We decided that. Uh, did we decide where, that? Well, I think we did. That's that where Kim, Kim Fowley put together a whole brand new group of people oh, yeah, yeah. called them the no, runaways no no. Okay. no 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 we've got some Paul Bearer to get to we we yeah, don't want to yeah, be yeah. we uh, we have finite lives to live here I mean you know right we, we don't have time for fake runaways <laughs> no God, no hell no <laughs> I'm not even fake sure I've got time for the next album but I'll, I'll <laughs> I don't know well they're I, dressed I the I, I will say this: the next album, they're dressed fancy. They all look like they're going to prom. Okay, that's different. Oh, so they're bringing in a little class, a uh, little element and, of class here. And they have a song called uh, Eight Days a Week." Well, that's just. See, this is the problem with with not focusing on your schoolwork. Is this going to be? Like, huh? All right, we're not doing this now. But is this gonna, mm. is this a covers album? I don't know. The first three tracks: Saturday Night Special, Eight Days a Week, and Mama. We're all crazy now. 
Ay, ay, ay. Of the nine tracks, four of them are covers. Okay, four out of nine. Four out of nine. That's all right. I, honestly, uh, the songwriting on this one was, was not that red hot, so maybe some covers are what they need. Hmm. And actually, I was thinking about, at the time, the role of covers just generally in the late 70s. I mean, everyone was covering everyone else at that time anyway. Um, and you think of, like, some of the biggest songs you know or, and, and so, sometimes you, you sort of look them up and you oh, that, that was actually a cover. I, I love rock and roll, Joan Jett. That, that was a cover. Um, I, there, there was a fascinating podcast. Uh, this one? No, this one. This one. Uh, was <laughs> Cocaine and Rhinestones. Is that right? Yes, Is that yes, not right? yes. Cocaine. And it was the one about country music. Anyway, he did a whole thing on one episode about how apparently a lot of these bands at this point in time, before it was, it was easy to get a band heard all over the place. They had markets, right? So like this band was kind of tailored towards this market. And so what you do is like if a track was a hit in that market with that band, you find another band that was tailored towards this market. Like, okay, so I grew up in Iowa, right? John Mellencamp was definitely tailored to our market. And so, and I don't know that the Runaways were, certainly like Queen was not. I didn't get into, into, it wasn't until I moved to Europe that I finally started hearing Queen, right? And so you take like, they didn't do this in the 80s, but they would have maybe in the, even in the 70s, you found a track, a band that sort of tracked with this song in this market and you give it to this other band and have them play it in this market. And it's just like, all right, well, here you go. It was, a, it was a number one hit over there. It'll be a number one hit over here. Mm. Anyway, I wonder if that's why there were at one point in time, there were just these bands, there's so many covers. Yeah. And, and you got to remember, this was before the time when you just record something and press upload and then everyone in the world has access to it. I mean, it was a very different distribution model back then, which which I guess played into it. But because um, there was there was a song I heard on a, a soundtrack to a documentary that I played in school. It was an Ace Freely song called New York Groove. And I thought, oh, what a great song, Ace Freely. I've got to check out his song. And then I looked that up. Oh, no, that's a cover. And a lot of these covers came from the the glam. The glam rock was this sort of big uh, factory for just hit songs that, you know, like these sort of UK glam bands ended up getting picked up by US acts and, and uh, they'd sort of take it and run with it, add, add a little bit of production finesse and, and tidy it up and and um yeah that was interesting too i feel like t-rex is one of those bands it's one of those bands that mm. i don't know if i've ever heard any original song by t-rex but i know a ton of their songs through the covers yeah yeah um and yeah there's bands like hello and uh hello was the ace freely one the mm -hmm. arrows was joan jet oh no there's there's just these bands were kind of pumping out songs. No one was really listening to their version, but then someone cool would pick it up and turn it into a hit. But at least they got the, they would have got the, the cash, right? The moolah. We, uh, sorry to, but we can't get out of here without doing the band Brown though. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. All right, let's do that. Thanks. For, you're always the, you're the Brownlow champion. You, you're always, uh, making sure we tick that box as we should.
the coveted band Brownlow. You want to you want to lead us off? Yeah, um, I I so I went ahead and just uh, I gave my 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 one point uh, to Lita Ford. I the thing I wrestled with on this is that the bass had a cool thing going, but it's it's a ringer. So I, I don't feel, I don't know. Anyway, so my, my one goes to Lita Ford. My one point goes to Lita Ford. She comes in with some cool guitar solos, but um, I, she loses points on trash can murders. There has to be <laughs> some, somebody's, somebody's got to pay for that. And so, yes. so Lita Ford gets one point. Uh, Joan Jett gets two points. Um, she did most, I mean, most of the songwriting on this album, but I don't feel like it's Joan Jett at her best. I just, it, it feels kind of stretched. Um, and so I'm going to give it to Sandy West, my three points for holding down that boogie vibe and, and keeping, keeping the beats fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there it is. All right. Nice. Um, yeah. My, my favorite instrument on the album was the bass. So who do those votes go to? I don't know. Um, but yeah, when I listen to this album, I listen to the bass, I, like, uh, and, and, you know, I really love that boogie vibe. So I'm going to give it to the bass player. Let's, let's say that three votes, best on ground, best performance. Um, hmm. two votes, <sighs> Jones, the creative driver on this album. But there's so many times when she's singing out of her range and it, you know, so as much as <laughs> we all love Joan Jett, um, the, the more difficult moments on this album were, were the points where, where her voice was, was just being pushed beyond what it was meant for, I think. So I'll give to, uh, to the drummer. What's her name? Sandy. Sandy. Sandy West. And um, I'm going to give one to Lita. I'm going to. I'm sorry, Joan Jett, but even though she, like her name's all over every songwriting credit, just about. I'm going to give one to Lita Ford. Right. Despite right. trash can murders. <laughs> well, yeah, that was a hard one. Um. Uh. There was that other one. Oh, there was another Lita Ford song, Fantasies. That was hers too. Oh, I didn't say anything oh. about that, did I? I meant to. Can we have I a quick chat about Fantasies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Because I, I, I think that it is worth mentioning the song because this is where you can definitely see that Joan Jett and Lita Ford's careers are going in different directions, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the This yeah. is the Lita Ford trajectory, and you can, you can easily follow the lines of what to from this to kiss me deadly it's got it's again it has that 70s 80s metal vibe uh and i joan jett's singing it though right i couldn't quite work it out it because if no, she is nowhere does it say anywhere who's sing like i think it there's nothing to say it's not joan jett singing but it sounds different to me yeah i it, it I, I think it's Joan Jett, and if she, it is her singing it, I mean, she sells it. She she would have been an awesome front person for an '80s metal band, and mm. I she didn't go that direction, but she could have. 
Uh, and, and Lita Ford's guitar playing is just awesome throughout the whole song. And it's even got that cool, oh, there's the standout moment, the gong ending. Ah, uh, the gong. They don't, there were some chimes in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine that gong would have been, it would have sucked loading that thing on and off the bus <laughs> yeah, for, just, get, just for one song. <laughs> oh, see? All right, anyway, yeah, so... To me, the, what stood out for me was how the similarity of the guitar sound with um, technical ecstasy era Black Sabbath. Oh. Particularly, which was 1976, so it's the same time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Particularly the, uh, Dirty Women, which is a great song. So, yeah, I just thought I, I had to play them one after the other. The, the riffs are very similar, but the, the guitar sound is almost identical. So, yeah, she's definitely got much more metal tendencies uh, and, and they're on display here all right we uh we digress we need to wrap this thing up all right next album look let's hope it's not as bad as we're we're concerned you know we're slightly concerned but uh listeners please we beg you give it a try and we'll give it a try too if it's awful well i don't know we'll come back and have a laugh about it but uh, maybe look, maybe they redeem themselves and, and, and put out one last great album before uh, before it all uh, dissipates. Maybe they go out with a bang. We'll we'll find out soon. Um, until then, go and have a listen. Enjoy listening to albums. Please make sure you you do that as much as possible. Such a better way to listen to music. Hopefully, this podcast is playing some small role in bringing Brat, bringing back the album um you can always catch us if you want to um we've got an email address unshufflepod at gmail.com we sent out a plea for emails last podcast and uh, i can happily report that martin popoff has a new book out um so please go and, go and check out martin Martin Popoff's new. It's something about Pink Floyd. Uh, our show notes will be on unshufflepod.com, and we have a Twitter handle, at unshufflepod, and I'm often retweeting interesting things about albums in that forum. Uh, so, yeah, check us out through one of those channels. We'd love to hear from you if you have anything to add. Um, thank you to Small Stone and Seven Planets. You can hear that that great song, Vanguard, off the album Explorer. You hear it in the opening and closing sections of the show. You'll hear it again soon. You might even hear it start fading in in a moment. Thank you, The Runaways. You gave it your best. <laughs> it's uh, I think if we if we ranked all the albums we've listened to, this is probably well and truly entrenched in the bottom half but uh still had its moments as we've discussed and thank you as always scotty d for joining me to chew the fat and uh and talk our way through it thanks scott yeah thank you matt and uh thank you listener and, uh, we'll see you we'll see you